And now, the Houston Football Show, brought to you by Inside Edge, with your hosts, Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. All right, we're back. Season one, episode seven is flying by, and I'm enjoying the time I'm getting to uh, spend and host with my buddy Aaron Wilson, who has just been burning up social media with the breaking news, not only here locally, as he's the Texans insider for KPRC2 and Sports Talk 790, but also nationally, as he's the NFL insider for Pro Football Network. Aaron is an off day in season for the NFL, which means Players get that final break before their first action, but for you, it means a busy day. Uh, tell us, tell us what you've been breaking on, on the Houston front today. Right, yeah, the Texans did have some activity today, Jason. And one of the things that they did was they added a running back, and his name is Jared Dokes. And Jared is a former Miami Dolphins seventh round draft pick. He also played at the University of Cincinnati, and you know, to get a guy like him, who's all conference at 1,720 career yards, 14 touchdowns, 36 catches, 407 yards, four scores, cut by Miami last week. And so he visited today, and they worked out former Colts running back Jordan Wilkins, former Cowboys tight end Nick Eubanks, and former Ravens running back Nate McCrary, and he was the choice for them. And he's a bigger back that's got some wiggle. He's not a speed demon, but he's got you know some ability to get into the secondary. And you know, he was successful at Cincinnati. And they run a program that a lot of people have a lot of respect for with Luke Fickle, uh, good hard-nosed football, disciplined football. And so, you know, he fit kind of a profile that I think the Texans are about. And, you know, you look at the running back position here, you know, he's just here to augment it. And, you know, I'm not even sure. I didn't hear if it's practice squad or 53 initially for Jared, but he's on the team. He's part of it. And, you know, you can be promoted anytime. Like they said, it's really about the 69 players that they have, not just the 53, because you can promote those guys. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, besides the obvious, neither. Yeah, between practice squad and 53, it's just a matter of what are you on Sunday? Yeah, 100%. Now, besides the obvious, you said Jared Dokes, and you also tweeted out at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL, uh, the NFL transaction wire, and it shows uh, Jared Dokes, quote unquote, visits with the other guys, Jordan Wilkins, Nate McCrary, and Nick Eubanks as workouts. Uh, What's by NFL definition, what's the difference in a workout and visit? I guess I mean, uh, what's the different process the two go through? Generally, a visit, you do not work out. You just visit and take a physical. So that that's kind of, you know, a lot of times visits mean that they're going to sign you. And All right, so they had already liked what they saw on film. And he, he saw he enough. He, he had just played for the Dolphins in the preseason. Right. And then some of these other guys have been out of work for a little bit. So this was a, you know, like a gong show kind of tryout. And one of the reasons you have tryouts is to have an emergency list ready. So you Absolutely. can see, I've seen them. And then some guys that when you work them out, you're testing their health and their conditioning. So Nate McCrary had a knee injury with the Ravens. So they were trying to find out, you know, is Nate's knee ready? That kind of thing. So you look at all of those things and, you know, you bring in someone like Jordan Wilkins. No, it was not because he played for the Colts. He's been off the, <laughs> for the Titans. Right. The Jack, 
but it was with them a year ago and i really highly doubt they were like hey what about the plays you know no they're not doing that but that's kind of an assumption that many make but yeah it's just a matter of a workout and nick Casario actually personally conducts a lot of the workouts nice and so he's running the drills he's very hands-on he's very hardworking, dedicated general manager very knowledgeable about the personnel that are available around the league or that are guys that you know already have jobs so he's got kind of a you know master list of who's out there and awesome. what he thinks of them so you have to have opinions you have guys in pro personnel like ronnie mcgill who was promoted this year dj demick who was hired as assistant director of pro personnel that was previously with the new england patriots so you have a whole department of pro scouts and that's where the bulk of the information comes to have your workouts so i like to track the workouts and keep up with who's going where. And uh, even though it is sort of, in many cases, the bottom of the roster, you just never know. A guy could start off, you know, very low on the depth chart and he could move up. Jared Oaks is a great point uh, talking about recent news and Aaron's breaking news all day on a Tuesday with us going live year round once a week on Tuesday evenings. You'll get the, that broke break the different perspectives and what it all means usually throughout the Tuesday night as typically teams that play on Sunday, Tuesday is their off days. And that's like when Aaron said, teams will have players in to build their workout tryout list to have in mind what guys look like currently and not just on film in case they need to put an emergency list together and call guys up. So uh, you mentioned Jared Dokes and not having the clarification of his practice squad or 53. And before today's show, as I was putting it together, I should I say before you broke the news on the tryouts and the workout, uh, I was wondering if they were still looking to upgrade over Royce Freeman at that running back position or at least add depth at the practice squad. Then we see the three running backs get either workout or visit today with Dope signing here. Um, and also to piggyback that, Aaron, if you would, uh, do you think the Texans would consider a trade of uh, for that RB2 guy, like a Dearness, a, you know, a Dearness Johnson in Cleveland, if everything's okay with Kareem Hunt and the Browns and they work it out, or do you feel like they like the guys they got, including Dokes? That's a great question. I think that they are open to anything, but they're not looking actively to just overhaul what they've got here. I think they want to see if, how this works, what it's like together. And one of the reasons that you sometimes don't bring in certain players is because you're trying to establish another player, not just now, but for the future. Sure. So people have many asked, well, why didn't they get Trey Sermon? Why didn't they could have beat the Eagles? Well, you know, Trey is a young player, just like Damian Pierce. So maybe if you bring him in, that takes away some opportunity for growth from Damian, you know, and, if anything, you want to do everything you can to establish Damien and his confidence. Do you really need to bring in a ton of backs if you like him, if he's going to be the primary running back? And they did make an official today, which was, you know, sort of the worst kept secret for the last right. two or three weeks that he was the top running back. But now the depth chart actually says that. So he's the guy. And I think that's one of the reasons you don't overload the position and that you're just looking for depth, not – someone that's going to push him very hard. So All right, yeah, fair you, enough. Now, as you just leave, you, you know, you don't, you want it to tinker with your roster. You don't want to over tinker. 
Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Lovey said something, I think it was yesterday's presser, Aaron, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, where he talked about with Tyler Johnson and OJ Howard said that they really had to like those guys to bring them in this late in the process. So that kind of just, you know, left a mark with me that, you know, that's a great point. Lovey's, Lovey's telling us there is that, hey, these are guys we need to contribute, get up to speed quickly. And we'll get into a little bit more of that and that unofficial depth chart here in a second with Aaron. But uh, a little bit more news you broke today were some special team contracts and explain to us uh what all happened and what does that mean uh for either the salary cap this year or the rollover to next it's definitely not about the rollover it's about right now having an operating fund jason okay because of the salary cap they were about they were going to be if not for these about a eighty six thousand dollars under the cap which is an uncomfortable place to be. Sure. The reasons why is because they have a large middle class of guys that make two to three million dollars a year. That depth. Many of yeah. those are on guaranteed deals. So when you have an opportunity to do a simple conversion, which is what they did with Kaimi Fairburn, and their kicker, and Cameron Johnson, their punter, you can create cap space. They created roughly 2.1 million combined. And there are other opportunities to do that. Christian Kirksey. Possibly Eric Murray. You could look at some other guys' deals. Awesome. And so the idea being is you're doing that to try to create just a little bit of breathing room so you can get through the season. And then the offseason, I know everyone's talking about they're going to have a lot of space. They only have 36 players under contract for 2023 currently. Mm, great nugget. So they're going to have to spend a lot of money, Jason, to get that where they want it. And once you you add to the roster, you know, you have 90 in the offseason, but there's only so many draft picks. There's only so many. I think they're projected about, about 54 million available. It mm. will go quickly between the rookie pool and signing players. They're not going to be able to go on a big spending spree. And I don't anticipate that really being the way Nick wants to build the roster anyway. Awesome. Uh, there's a lot of great nuggets Aaron dropped on us right there. Wealth of information. Aaron Wilson, NFL insider for Pro Football Network. Locally, Texans insider for Sports Talk 790 and KPRC2. Uh, Aaron, we were talking about the unofficial depth chart. And I want to go back to that quickly here because the left guard position we talked about all throughout these first uh, six episodes going into tonight's seventh episode here on the Houston Football Show. Um, and there's been a lot of talk. Is it going to be Kenyon Green? Is it going to be Justin McCray? It's Justin McCray on the unofficial depth chart. Do What does this mean for week one? Because it is, quote, unquote, unofficial. Could Green still start? Does he see time? Or do you think this means they buy him a little bit more time to, like, possibly week two? I think there's a very good chance that they will go with Justin McCray. Um, have to see what they do in practice, obviously, to know. Or on this is Tuesday night to know for a fact, well, this is what they're going to do. So I'm not reporting that. The reason that you would start him is because of his experience, his conditioning level, the way he's played in the preseason. And as impressive as Kenyon was, Kenyon still can get in better shape. And he is still not that many weeks removed from the concussion. He missed a lot of time. So I think what will happen is he will play. He'll play okay. a lot. And then he'll sub in for Justin. And when he's ready, he'll start. They've shown no hesitation to start a rookie. Okay, nice. It just might not be this week. But it could be. Uh, and he could kind of play his way into it. But I think from 
really from a conditioning standpoint, he can get into a better cardiovascular situation by having a little more time. Well, let's uh, peel the curtain back a little bit for us, Aaron. So how many more true practices does he have? You know, you got game day on Sunday. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. You're not doing anything on that Saturday before, right? So kind of walk us through the rest of the week. So if people are like, well, can he still do enough because the game's five days out, but it's not four practices out. So uh, walk us through that a little bit uh, to kind of illustrate how much time he'll have. Three full practices. Friday is something of a walkthrough, but it does take the same amount of time. It is a light workout. Wednesdays and Thursdays, tend to be your heavier work days and they are thud. If you've noticed and you were at all the practices I was at, no one's on the ground. No one's being tackled. Right. Right. It's called thud. And so you pop a little bit and you don't bring guys down. You protect your teammates. If you notice they haven't had a lot of injuries, knock on wood. So that's how you practice in the pros. You nice. Just, you don't hit no. each other. Another great little nugget there. Uh, Now, moving forward a little bit here, a couple guys, new additions to the team, and relatively speaking, joined the Texans at the same time. And these guys familiar with each other with their time with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Obviously, I'm talking about the new tight end, O.J. Howard, Tyler Johnson. Out of necessity, I would expect O.J. to be active and play week one. Uh, But at wide receiver, I think they can be patient. And let me kind of maybe hint it at carrying four wide receivers active on game day if that's the case i could see tyler johnson not being active week one with having to uh play catch up i anticipate him being inactive for week one yes oh you inactive just to make sure i'm getting this right you participate uh you I anticipate. yes yes i i think there's too much to for him to pick up okay and the other guys are ready to go i think right, that so he is insurance I, policy he's not a special teamer so right it, it's the dais cast. He's, and it may be a while, you know, it could be a little while depending on how those other guys are playing before he's up. And I think it, I would just say, like Nick said, we don't have a big investment in him. Nice. Called him nice. a decent player. Yeah. So he, he did. No one was hyping him up. I mean, well, oh, Lovey, Lovey seemed like the verbiage. I liked how you brought up the verbiage yeah. that Nick chose because it did seem like everything was decent, decent, decent. Lovey, who uh, played against them four straight years when he was the coach of Illinois. Positive. <laughs> well, absolutely. was a little bit more positive. So uh, I like the way because it, it, to me, and I'm reading tea leaves here, so I, this isn't Aaron important anything. But to me, it could seem like Nick Casario actually yeah, bending a little bit and saying, hey, if this is a guy Lovey likes – uh, well, Lovey, let's give you a chance to see if there is something there with it. And I like that. I like Casario not just saying it's got to be my guys, not putting words in his mouth saying he didn't like Tyler Johnson. It just seems like he's a little bit more laid back and wait. Yeah, see prove it, too. I mean, right. whatever you did somewhere else, I mean, that's a Bill Belichick thing. He's going to say, mm. well, you know, what did you do for me? What have you done? Right, for right. Me? And, and, and people will say, well, this is going to be a little bit Patriots way. But listen. Bill O'Brien, uh, Matt Patricia, they may, may have came to different cities and did the Patriot way. Nick Casario is the Patriot way. Him and Bill Belichick were the Patriot way. So this isn't uh, – Casario's not pretending to be anything or p- pretending to play a position. And so I like – Right. I like seeing the authenticity and us. I think we're finally getting to peel back the layers you, and see what a see Nick Casario runs in. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about some of the players that he's praised a lot, like in great detail, Jerry Hughes, 
Yes. Troy Hairston, Kurt Heinisch. Mm. Well, Jerry's performance has been excellent. Kurt's performance has been excellent. Troy Harrison is knocking people down. He's very yes. on special teams. And if you ever meet uh, Troy or Kurt, they have great personalities and they love football. Like it, it, they exude that. So if you think about who is Nick, Nick is a football guy. Nick was a quarterback. Nick loves to throw. One of my better stories and anecdotes, I, I there are a lot about Nick, but I was covering for the Baltimore Sun, the Ravens, and I was covering Stefan Diggs's pro day. So Stefan was there, and he was the reason for most NFL personnel to be at this Maryland pro day at College Park, Maryland. Right. They didn't have a quarterback because the quarterback didn't want to play in the NFL, the senior quarterback, and they needed someone to throw. So Nick volunteered, and he threw nice. the entire pro day. And it was a cold, blustery day. This is, you know, in the Northeast, this is Maryland, and you know, it was somewhat, you know, windy conditions, and he threw very well. Nice. And obviously, he's not trying to relive his college days, but he was having fun because he likes to throw the football. But he threw the entire day, and he had the vantage point, so he was able to watch all the cuts for Stefan and the other players out there. So, yeah, I think he really had a nice bird's-eye view. Absolutely. And it was, he was there with Bill Belichick. Bill was there holding court, uh, wearing his Johns Hopkins lacrosse shirt. <laughs> right. And, uh, but no, it was cool. It was just like, I can just tell you, he exudes football. And so if you talk to a Troy Harrison, converted defensive end and linebacker, he gave props to the area scout, Najah Johnson, that found yes. him and wrote the report. So that there's a process. And he said it was a good example of how the process works. He, that's one of his favorite words. If you think about the Texans, how did they do this? Well, they gave 85000 guaranteed to Kurt Heinisch and mm -hmm. 85000 guaranteed to Troy Hairston. So they oh, knew wow. exactly what they found in those guys. That Absolutely. They and then both of them make the team. That's and amazing. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know they both had the 85000 guaranteed. Exactly and then the way. fact, oh, wow. And, and then, then it's Jake, not It's not like they forced the hand. Those guys well, earned their spots on the team. And then like right. Jake Hansen, Jake played for Lovey at Illinois. So he fits everything that Lovey wants as far as personality for yeah four years all you know hands-on training by lovey yeah I mean, right. so knows he's, the system and his dad by the way comes from a football family his dad was the all-time leading tackler in byu history so he wow. comes from a football family he's knowledgeable but my point long-winded way of saying this they're about ball and guys actually where they care a lot about the game and i'm seeing that they have more and more guys on the team that fit that culture and what do they have to do? They need to get more talent on the roster, obviously. Sure. But you start with a standard of, you know, just people that are that do it the right way. Mm -hmm. uh, so you want to have, you know, they don't have a lot of Pro Bowl guys. They have a couple guys that, you know, can play to that level like Brandon Cooks or Laramie Tunsil. But generally what this team is, it's a lot of middle class of the NFL. And it's not that much different from last year with the exception of they've added some very young talent like Jalen Petrie and Der Derek Stingley and Kenya Green and Damian Pierce. So they're part of the foundation of what they're trying to do. This is another building or rebuilding year or whatever you want to call it, a construction right. project. And then next year it might be a little bit better and maybe okay. it'll be a lot better, but I, I think you got to crawl before you can walk. And that's going to be kind of a theme for the season. 
Uh, he's Aaron Wilson. I'm Jason Braddock. Uh, we're going to take a quick one-minute break. Come back. We'll have Aaron for another segment. Then we'll go into what I like to call halftime there, and I'll finish out the uh, second half of the show. All right. First, let's hear, uh, hear from our sponsors, Inside Edge. For our listeners looking for an extra edge, we are excited to share a tool with you that our team uses here at the Houston Football Show. My Inside Edge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can access for free matchup-specific insights and projections to help make informed bets and build winning fantasy lineups. The insights are endless. You'll have access to game matchup notes, player props, leaderboards, player ratings, and much more. The real goldmine, though, is Inside Edge's five-star picks. During the 2021 NFL season, their five-star picks were wildly successful. They were 34-14 and 14 against the spread, a 70.8% success rate. Access to the five-star picks is only $20 per pick, or get the deal of a lifetime Every five-star pick for the entire year for just $149. What's more, our listeners can save 10% off this access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON at Inside Edge. I think we lost Jason. Feels like it. Yeah. Hey, I'm back. I'm back here with you. Mike cut out for a second. Um, yeah, we're back here on the Houston football show. Second half of it. Aaron, it's a little game I like to call name the inactives. We got Texans players. They can have 48 players uh, active this week. You can also promote from the practice squad. I guess what I'm going to call this uh, the first 48 when we're putting the Texans together for that first week one game against the Colts. I've got the Texans promoting three from the practice squad and eight inactives from the 53. And I'm going to walk through these because I'm a bit of a dork. And I want you to uh, appease me and tell me if you think I'm seeing this wrong or how do you see it play out? That okay. first guy's that now, first guy's and disclaimer. I've put no thought into this whatsoever. <laughs> oh, that's what I like. I like I'm it. Uh, it. Just, 100% right off the cuff. So the first one is Rasheem Green. I'm not sure if he's 100%. I think Damone Harris outplayed him in the preseason. But because of that contract, I, I, unless they got a trade offer for Rasheem Green, he was going to make the team. I could see them going with Damone Harris here in this week one game. And both of these guys can play DN, D-tackle. Am I, am I already off on the wrong foot? I don't agree, but I mean, I, I, I understand your argument. I just, yeah, I, I don't agree with this one, but that's good um, if we debate and uh, and don't always agree. But, yeah, I would say Rashim will be up. 
Okay. All right. 100%. Uh, Tyler Johnson, we talked a little bit earlier, and I was a little bit surprised because uh, I think we agree on this one. You feel like Tyler Johnson is going to be inactive a little bit too much on him and too short of a time. Yes. Also down. Royce Freeman. And now with Jared Dokes, we don't know if he's practice squad or 53. Regardless here, uh, are you expecting Royce Freeman to be active? Probably inactive. You know, he wasn't always a vital part of it. I, I can see him being down. I can All see right, him this with less this, running back. This one may be surprising. So I already talked about one of the promotions from the practice squad, Damone Harris. You said you believe it's going to be Rasheem Green instead. Uh, Graylin Arnold, I think he uh, gets the promotion, does some sub packages, maybe some dime coverages, and also can give you depth at safety. And with that in mind, maybe a surprising act of Eric Murray. I can see that happening. Yeah. Oh wow! I thought you were gonna. I thought. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm more in. I'm another more one. in sync with you. Yeah. Another one for injury could be Garrett Wallow. He just returned to practice. Uh, he might not be ready to do special teams, mm -hmm. so this might be a week for him just to do a ramp up. And then on defensive line, possibly Thomas Booker or Kurt Heinish, but maybe Booker. I that's almost amazing. put Booker. Yeah, so you think Thomas Booker might be in that? Yeah, that's another one. And then, you know, do you need Austin Deculus to be up? Yeah, I, I've got Deculus. Uh, Deculus yeah. and Yedium, I think you would pretty much agree with me. And also, yeah, Jake Hansen. Um, he might play some special teams, though. Really? And All right, so he might actually be active. Down. Jake Hansen. Yep, I could see him being down. Okay. All right. One last one for you. Might be a surprise to some people. Throughout camp when he was healthy, I thought Cedric Abrahi was the third best tackle. He'd play left tackle, play right tackle. I could see him going three tackle. And could they have Charlie Heck inactive and bring up Abrahi to be that swing tackle backup? I mean, interesting thought. I think Heck is pretty penciled in as the swing tackle, though, ahead of okay. Abrahi. They cut Abrahi. They brought him back for the practice squad only. He's had some injuries. I think it'll be Charlie. All right. Well, that's why we played a game. Love to pick Aaron Wilson's brain on it. I go off of what I see. Uh, maybe some little wild thoughts here or there. And Aaron, Aaron with the uh, inside knowledge, always gives us quite a few nuggets there. So I love the information to pick his brain. All right. Last segment before I let Aaron get out, get some rest before another Texans practice early in the morning. Texans, we all know, beat 62-3 to in the two meetings last year against the Colts. But I think this is not the same Texans team. And I know, you know, they've got the rookies. They brought in a lot of depth. You talked about those, the money they spent on that middle class. Uh, those are not the top-end talent, but these aren't bottom dwellers. These are guys that can come in and play significant snack, uh, snaps. Uh, a couple things I wanted to point to you, like, the Texans don't have to be the best run defense. They were 31st last year, next to, next to last, giving up over 142 yards a game. But we mentioned a lot headed into the season how the Texans have kept so many D-lines and linebackers on the 69-man roster. And they knew all offseason. I don't think this is a coincidence, Aaron. They knew all offseason their weaknesses and who was coming to town week one. Now, you're not going to stop Jonathan uh, Taylor, but this Casario, Lovey, front seven that's got talent, it's got depth, and they're going to consistently rotate against a talented Jonathan Taylor and a talented Colts offensive line, but that old line and Taylor is going to be taking almost all of those snaps. 
where this D-line and linebacker group is going to consistently rotate. Is this built, is this matchup built for the Texans to possibly win this game? I mean, they would have to do a lot right in terms of swarming the ball, team defense, get Matt Ryan throwing on the move, get him uncomfortable in the pocket. He's not going to be rattled, but, you know, hit him enough. A lot of things have to go right, and then they have to muster an offense, and that will be difficult against Stephon Gilmore and company. I heard there's a chance that Zaire Frank will be playing inside linebacker instead of Shaquille Leonard, so we'll see. Well, didn't, didn't, didn't Leonard go on the pup? Do they have him on pup right now? I cannot remember off the top of my head. I believe they put Shaquille Leonard in for uh, be, people listening. Right that, okay, huh? well, it be Zaire then. Yeah, and so for That's people who's listening may, may be confused, Darius Leonard uh, is going by Shaquille Leonard now, and he is in the absolute heart of the middle of that defense. Now, um, on that thought, all this depth and talent, that middle class you talked about, so not just going out and get bottom of the roster guys, it's built in that front seven, do you believe, to, to really – Slow down, Jonathan Taylor. Slow down, Derrick Henry. They know who they face in that AFC South and obviously the other running backs across the league. But those four games against Taylor and Henry and all that, do you believe there was a focus on building up that front seven to have that healthy of a rotation this offseason? Well, yeah, I think they do want to have more talent and more guys that can get up the field. So they've added some people like Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, Nobach, or Uncle. They want to get more athletic and defensive end. And then that augments what you already have with John Grenard and then inside Malik Collins for Lopez. So, yeah, I think the defensive line has improved. The linebacker core is very similar to what they already had. And then they've added at least one DB that I think really will help and run support, and that's Jalen Petrie. Right. Yeah, they have a chance to be better. How good are they? Are they one of the best run defenses? I mean, time will tell. You know, I would be a bit surprised if all of a sudden they were a top 10 defense. But, you know, they've definitely made some strides. And, Jason, I think they've, um, you know, gotten better. We're going to sure. find out. Measuring stick, litmus test for the Texans, how much better have they gotten? Right, 100%, absolutely. Now, last thing before I let uh, Aaron Wilson get out of here for the evening. Uh, Vegas, you know, we were talking a little bit about you know, what we see here in Houston, being out there at practice every day, seeing it all up close and personal and everything. But you also like getting that national perspective and make sure that, hey, maybe maybe I'm, I'm seeing this too rosy or maybe I'm being too harsh. Uh, so Damian Pierce, a guy that everyone's talked about, whether we're talking X's and O's, where we're talking about scouting, evaluation, fantasy sports, whatever it may be, has gotten a lot of love specifically for – a fourth round pick that was minimally used in college. Now we've seen it up close and personal, but Vegas, this is what's interesting to me, Aaron. Vegas is buying in out of all the rookie running backs. Only Brees Hall has an over under for rookie year rushing yards higher than Damian Pierce. And it's only by five yards, 830.5 Damian Pierce, 825.5 is the expectation for Damian Pierce as a rookie fourth round pick. Has the hype gotten too much or is this everybody seeing this the same, this kid, this situation it's going to be 800-plus rushing as a rook. I think that he could definitely do that. I think with the amount of touches, 15 to 20 a game, my projection, if he stays healthy and they block the way they can, 
yes, he could easily be a thousand yard rusher. Well, that's crazy. It blew my mind a little bit. Uh, I know we've seen it up close and personal. We haven't really seen a ton of snaps from the kid, but that's how impressive he's been. Vegas is buying. I think everybody here locally should be buying too. All right, Aaron, thank you for your time here on a busy Tuesday for you. We'll catch up with you again next Tuesday evening. Enjoy your Tuesday evening with your lovely wife. Uh, go try to rela relax a little bit if you can, Aaron. Okay. Thanks, Jason. Good talking to you. All right, take care. All right, before we get back to the second half of the show, let's take a second out for our title sponsors, uh, Remarkable by Inside Edge. Listen, Inside Edge was founded over 30 years ago as a data and analytics provider for Major League Baseball clubs. If you've seen the movie Moneyball, then you know Inside Edge. They were part of the data and analytics revolution in professional sports. Now fans can get that same type of access insights in the analytics used by these pro teams free at myinsideedge.com. That's right. You get all of that free at myinsideedge.com. All you have to do is go online and type in myinsideedge.com and you get this three decades worth of knowledge, analytics, all of it. What's more though, My Inside Edge has five-star picks now, for these five-star picks, let's go this past NFL season, 2021, they were 34-14 and 14 against the spread with these five-star picks. That's an insane 71% success rate. But for our listeners today, you can sign up at Inside Edge and use the code HOUSTON, and you'll receive 10% off your subscription for those five-star picks. It's $20 per pick, or you get all of their five-star picks for the entire season for only $149 at a 71% success rate. MyInsideEdge.com, and don't forget to use your code HOUSTON. All right, we're back for second half of the show tonight. Uh, let Aaron go. Tuesdays are going to be insane for him now that we're in season. Always breaking news. We saw the workouts, the visit. Jared Dokes now a part of the Houston Texans. Now second half of the show, I, I'm getting a little bit excited. We're getting actual football. We get to talk about what can actually transpire in the history books when you look back. Week one, 2022, and, and that's where we're here at. Yes, you're going to hear it over and over and over again this week, especially over the next five days as we head into the game this Sunday. The Texans were beat 62-3 to by the Indianapolis Colts in two games last year. Listen, the Texans are saying, new year, new me. That's the mode they're in right now. They've sold me on this quick 180s. Not only me, the players buy in. With the coach and a GM that's been there, Lovey Super has gone to the Super Bowl. Casario lives at the Super Bowl with his time with the Patriots. These guys have been there. There's no false bravado, and the players in that locker room are buying in. But it's not this hard no atmosphere. We've got to be like this. There's no fun. It, all of that silliness has gone as a professional atmosphere where guys are allowed to be themselves, be comfortable, and they're laid back and enjoying it. That's yeah, I can't overstate how big that is. But anyway, I want to go back to the Colts. Yes, they won by 59 com uh, combined points in two games last year against the Texans. It is a new year. The Texans getting eight and a half points at home is insane to me. Again, I just laid out. I know the scores last year. Let's move past it. I've already told you. I think the Texans win this week. The Texans beat the Colts week one. I've, uh, 
for a while, I've been on the f- uh, fence with it being a field goal game. And the way the Texans are going to lay out the game script this year, or they hope to, a lot of these games will be field goal games. And I, and I just think with the Texans, they have the element of surprise. And people are still predicting them to be the worst of 32 teams in the NFL. And I think that's silliness. I'm on the Texans to win this game. But if you're not, I'm okay with that. Don't turn down the eight and a half points at home. Mills only played 11 games since high school before he was drafted. You know, 11, 11 starts. 11 starts in college is all he had before he was drafted to the Texans. Then he had 11 starts last year. So as this inexperienced rookie behind an O-line hit with a ton of issue, injuries, he played decent, people say. But what did he do at home? He didn't play decent at home. The dude played like an all-pro at home. 12 touchdowns, one interception, 70% completion, 109.6 quarterback rating. He's at home week one. The Texans, we talked about how bad their run D was earlier, 31st in the league. Their run offense, their running game was the worst in the league. They only averaged 83.6 yards on the ground per game in 2021. That's the worst in the entire league. Well, now what happens? Their O-line is healthy. And let me, let me not brush over their O-line being healthy. When the Texans lost to the Colts in those two games, 62-3 to last year, oh, Jonathan Taylor ran all over him. He did. He averaged 144 rush yards in each one of those games. You know what? Every team ran all over him. The Texans were 31st. They gave up 142 rush yards every single game. And so to say they're going to get blown out because of what Jonathan Taylor did to him, and no, I mean, the entire league did that to him. And they knew that just as much as everybody else. And they built up this D-line. They built up these linebackers so you can go too deep with starters, continue to be fresh in your entire front seven and multiple while that entire offensive line plays 60, 70 snaps, while Jonathan Taylor plays 50, 60 snaps. You've got elite pass rushers, D tackles, guys that can be stout against the run playing 30. They're playing half the snaps. They're all fresh. They're rotating in, and they're all exploding and coming at you. No, they're not the most elite guys, but they're starter, NFL starter capable for the entire game while they're all fresh. You can change the entire D-line from one series to the next, the entire linebacker group from one series to the next, and the drop-off is the most minimal in the entire NFL. Go back, rewind it, whatever you need to do to understand what I, what I just said, but that's not hyperbole. Look at their two deep in their front seven. The minimal drop-off from their first to second unit is the most minimal, minimal in the entire NFL. Maybe with the exception of the Bills. They're two deeps pretty sick. So maybe I'll walk that back with the exception of the Bills. But so that run game, can it be improved? Number one, we know Davis Mills insane at home as an inexperienced rookie behind a bad O-line. I didn't pay off the O-line for you. Let me pay that off for you. First game against the Colts when the Texans lost with a rookie quarterback, Davis Mills. Jerron Christian was the starting left tackle. Titus Howard was the starting left guard. Justin McCray was the starting center. Max Sharping was the starting right guard. Charlie Heck was the starting right tackle. Let that marinate for a second. Let's go to game two. Well, surely game two was a lot better. Well, first off, Davis Mills didn't even start that game. Tyrod Taylor started game two. 
And then Davis Mills came on, came in later in the game. Your left tackle of that game was Titus Howard. He was at left guard the previous game against the Colts. Matter of fact, Titus's last three games against the Colts, he's played right tackle. Left, he started at right tackle, left guard, and left tackle. Three games, three different positions, and now he'll be back at right tackle. So hopefully this isn't a cycle every three years he has to go through. Lane Taylor at left guard, Justin Britt at center, Max Sharpen at right guard, Charlie Hett at right tackle. Well, now that that's in, in your mind, that's planted, let's run through the O-line they're going to have this week. Laramie Tunsil is a little bit of an upgrade there over Jerron Christian at left tackle. They quit playing around with Titus Howard and let him get back to his position at right tackle, and hopefully he plays 17 games this year because he's a damn good right tackle. Left guard position, yes, that's probably still up in the air with Justin McCray, but you got Kenyon Green you threw a mid-first-round pick at to, to find a solution at that. The team knew what their weaknesses are, people. Justin Britt's healthy. And behind him, if he goes down, you bring in a veteran Scott Quesenberry. Right guard, you've got A.J. Can. Uh, A.J. Can you bring over in free agency from Jacksonville that you know very well. So the line's vastly improved in that rush attack. Davis Mills as a rookie behind that, those last two lines I told you about last year, he threw 12 touchdowns, one interception on 70% and a 109.6 quarterback rating. What is he going to be if the run game's better this year? Oh, yeah, by the way, they drafted this guy named Damian Pierce at, uh, as a fourth-round pick that Vegas even believes his over-under is 825 yards. As a fourth-round rookie, that was barely used. I say barely compared to the type of – Rookie starting running back, you would expect. Yes, he was definitely barely, uh, barely used. And you bring in a mauler in the run game in the first round with Kenyon Green. So you've got an athletic, healthy offensive line. It's a little bit. I mean, I think that changes the 62 to 3 perspective. You've got a quarterback in Davis Mills that's starting this game. If you remember, the first game against the Colts was a second row start, road start. He threw two interceptions. He threw four interceptions in his first road start in the NFL. He had six interceptions in his first two road starts, the Bills and the Colts. He, barely, he threw less than that the rest of the season. Yeah, he got a little bit better as he went on. So what do we think he's going to be in year two with Pep Hamilton? With Damian Pierce, with Kenyon Green in the running game, you actually have a running game. you got pass protection. He had 2.44 seconds in the pocket last year, which was the fifth lowest among all qualified NFL passers. What is he going to do with an actual pocket in time to go through his progressions and reads? A running game that opens up and really makes them bite on play actions and bootlegs and fakes and RPOs. There's, there's there's variables that have changed drastically. That front seven, if you can flip over and you've, you've got the rookie talent, you've got the vets you brought in, brought in the middle class, you've got Titus and Tunsil back at tackles, and then you also have got history on your side. And what do I mean by that? Sunday will mark the third time the Texans have opened their NFL season with the Indianapolis Colts coming to Houston. The first time was September 12, 2010. Arian Foster rushed 33 times in that game for 233 yards and three touchdowns. The next time was the very next year, exactly 11 years from this Sunday's game, 9-11-2011, the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. Um, 
Ben Tate rushed 24 times for 116 yards and one touchdown. Now this will be the third time, and you've got this rookie, Damian Pierce, with high expectations. I'll leave it to y'all. Y'all can comment on Twitter, at Jason Braddock. How many rush yards does he get touchdowns, rush attempts? Let me hear it. Aaron Foster, 233-3, and Ben Tate, 116-1. They love when the Colts come to visit Liberty White this Sunday. Damian Pierce is going over 100. Book it. Now, I talked about that front seven. I'm telling you the Texans beat the Colts. I'm telling you why I think they beat the Colts. You're not going to stop Jonathan Taylor. He's considered the best back in the NFL right now. But Indy's O-line is going to play the bulk of those snaps while you got that fresh front seven that's coming in there attacking. I'll get a little bit more into the attack and similarities I see with the pass team uh, in the NFL. Let's look at the other side of the ball. But before, uh, before we do that, Matt Ryan, first year in a new offense where every year they bring in a vet quarterback and swear it's going to work, whether it's Phillip Rivers or Carson Wentz or Matt Ryan, they bring him in. And they've got three second-round young wide receivers that I like. Michael Pittman Jr. is their number one. He's a stud. He's ready to go. He's already developed. Then you got Alec Pierce, who's a rookie, came out this year. Absolutely love him, but he's a rookie in his first start. There's going to be a learning curve there, especially when you're going up against Stephen Nelson and Derek Stingley Jr. Then you got Paris Campbell, who I absolutely loved when he came out in the draft. Only problem is, and he did score a touchdown against the Texans last year, if I remember. Only problem is he struggles to stay healthy. So, well, maybe they go to the tight end. Who, Mo Cox, Jelani Woods? There's nobody that's scaring you there. Is Matt Ryan going to get mobile and beat you? No, you're going to stack the box. You're putting eight people in the box. You're blitzing Jalen Petrie. You're blitzing Graylin Arnold. You're throwing multiple looks at him. You're not scared. You're going to put Steven Nelson or Derek Stingley on Michael Pittman Jr., and you're not scared of Alec Pierce, the rookie, taking you to the woodshed week one, his first NFL start. And you do have to worry and have somebody over the top, Paris Campbell, because he is healthy and he's got take-it-to-the-house type speed, and you got to watch out on those tunnel screens, similar to what Will Fuller used to do here with Houston when Deshaun Watson was throwing them those tunnel screens and everything gelled perfectly and opened up. That being said, who, who's this Texans defense scared of? Jonathan Taylor and the Colts have a talented offensive line. The Texans are going to go out there with Jonathan Grenard, Jerry Hughes, Malik Collins, Roy Lopez, and behind them, Kamu Grugier-Hill. Um, oh, my gosh. I, well, my, Neville Hewitt and Christian Kirksey. Then behind that group right there, you're going to rotate in an entirely new uh, group, whether it's Rasheen Green or Damone Harris, you're bringing in Rasheen Green, Michael uh, Dromford, Kurt Hennish, uh, Mario Addison. You still got Ogbo, who hasn't even uh, came in on the three deep. Damone Harris and Rasheen Green. It's two to three deep here on the rotation, that front seven, that linebacker group, when Kirksey, Hewitt, and Grugier Hill, if they need a breather, Garrett Wallow, Blake Cashman, Jalen Reeves, Maven, or maybe even Kevin Pierre-Lewis from the practice squad. The depth is just so there to where they're attacking, they're pounding, they're run blitzing, because they're not afraid of Matt Ryan and this receiving core and tight end group beating them. So I know nationally it's going to look like Jason Braddock's a homer. He picked the Texans, beat the Colts. I'm not a fan. I covered this team. 
I watch the NFL and I cover the NFL. And I'm telling you what Vegas is seeing doesn't add up to me. I know the 62 to three, and I think the public money's coming in and driving that thing up to eight and a half, nine points for the Texans at home. But everything we've seen tells us this is going to be a closer game. The Texans have built the entire offseason for this game and have the defensive pieces to go punch for punch with the Colts. The Colts are missing Shaquille Leonard, who's went on the pup list. Now, I mean, as soon as he left his name from Darius to Shaq, he's out. That's the heart of this Colts defense missing this game. Yes, I've got the Tex Texans winning on this game. All right, went a little bit long on that. I really wanted to drive that point home. Before I get to the uh, last segment of the even the uh, fourth quarter here, let's hit another one-minute break real quick. We'll come up, finish strong. And I want to let you know who this Texans team reminds me of, and I think it's by design. also want to let you know why I'm bullish on the Texans this year and how bullish I am. Let's hear from Inside Edge first. For our listeners looking for an extra edge, we are excited to share a tool with you that our team uses here at the Houston Football Show. My Inside Edge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can access for free matchup-specific insights and projections to help make informed bets and build winning fantasy lineups. The insights are endless. You'll have access to game matchup notes, player props, leaderboards, player ratings, and much more. The real goldmine, though, is Inside Edge's five-star picks. During the 2021 NFL season, their five-star picks were wildly successful. They were 34-14 and 14 against the spread, a 70.8% success rate. Access to the five-star picks is only $20 per pick, or get the deal of a lifetime Every five-star pick for the entire year for just $149. What's more, our listeners can save 10% off this access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON at Inside Edge. All right, we're back here for the fourth quarter. Finish up strong here. Ep uh, season one, episode seven of the Houston Football Show. Appreciate my co-host Aaron Wilson joining us in the first half with all catching us up with all his breaking news on the Texans and around the NFL earlier in the show today. Um, I talked about why I think the Texans beat the Colts. And I think that's it's not just a week one thing. I want to go ahead and lay this out to you so you're not surprised week after week after week. Uh I'm bullish on the Texans, pun intended. You know, I have them going nine and eight this year. Again, if this is too bullish for you, Vegas only has the over under at four and a half. Just like I was talking about Vegas giving them eight and a half, nine points at home this weekend against the Colts. Don't dip your toe in. If you're not as bullish, you don't have to go and say, hey, yeah, I think I'm with Jason. Texans went a nine and eight. Who cares if they go nine and eight? You just need that over under. A four and a half. And I, I, I've got a cushion there that you can play with. I've almost got, I've got it doubled. Four and a half, I've got it absolutely doubled. It took me a while with my South Carolina math, had to triple check, but got it doubled to over under four and a half. I've got them at nine wins, and I understand I'm, I may be the only person with having the Texans that's not a fan that has them at nine wins, but I got them at nine, nine and eight. Four and a half, don't dip your toe in. Go head first on this. Take the over on that one. But get into why I think they're getting nine wins, the blueprint. And why the Texans win this year, including week one, comes down to how they're built and how I expect them to script towards their strength strength, while spending the offseason building up their weaknesses. Your run game was dead last, Damian Pierce, Kenyon Green. 
and get the rest of your O-line back healthy, A.J. Cannon free agency. Okay? Your uh, run defense is next to last. You go out there and you have a two deep on the D-line, a two deep at the linebacker group with guys on the practice squad that can come up and play. So you have this healthy rotation, and I don't want to just keep beating you down, but you stack eight in a box against any team like this Colts team where you're not fearing the wide receiver and tight end group. You just need to shut down the uh, run and force their hand. But it's not only about short shutting down the run. The Texans' defense was 12th last year in the NFL in turnover margin. They will be top five this year. They're running around. They're flying around. You see them all going after peanut punches, what Charles Tillman did in Chicago with Lovey. They're going to be top five in turnover margin. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you start to see the identity of the team come together. And let's factor in what we also know about this team and when they're at their best. The last two years with Brandon Cooks, you have to feed them the ball. Yes, it would be great to get Nico and Brevin Jordan and Pharaoh Brown and everyone else involved. But the track record tells us that with Brandon Cooks here in Houston, you've got to get him over 70 receiving yards. He needs to be involved in the game. The Texans are 1-16 when Brandon Cooks doesn't get at least 70 receiving yards. So what the Texans are going to do, they're going to run a move-the-chain type offense West Coast tight looks, RPOs, uh, Damian Pierce running it down their throat, their number two back coming in uh, and, and working to keep Damian Pierce from being overloaded in a rookie season where they're not playing for a Super Bowl. And you just keep wearing them down. Farrell Brown, O.J. Howard, chain movers, Brevin Jordan, Seam, Brandon Cooks, keep them involved. Nico Collins, year, you know, year two more development involved. And so you start seeing like, okay, well, they start winning that time of possession. And then Davis Mills, after those first two road games, six interceptions, he took care of the ball. So they're going to ask him to be, and yes, it's going to sound like an ugly label to put on Davis Mills, but it is what it is. And it's what the team's built for. And I don't think it's an ugly word. I think it's a role Davis Mills could play quite well. They're going to ask him to be a game manager. They're going to ask them, hey, we've got this dominant run game that we want to run it down their throat all game. This is what the coaches are telling Davis Mills. We don't need you to be Aaron Rodgers. So they're pounding it down. Davis Mills making high percentage West Coast offense. Then you bring in a Philip Dorsett and you take those vertical calculated tags that uh, Pep Hamilton has experienced from with the Coriel offenses. Then what we've seen Pep Hamilton do with Andrew Luck and Justin Herbert, especially back in 2012 with Luck when the NFL was going crazy with the pistol, the zone reads, the RPOs. Why wouldn't they give that to Davis Mills? Davis Mills has moved the chain mobility and his pocket mobility is silly. His eyes are like a training video of keeping your eyes downfield while evading pressure in the pocket. And he's already shown us how quickly he can learn, again, especially in environments he's comfortable in. Again, the 12 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio as a rookie uh, <laughs> that was so inexperienced coming out of high school. So I think the running game moved the chains, defense hunting turnovers, offense protecting the ball. 
uh, defense being top five and uh, turnover margin 2022 Texans getting Brandon Cooks involved that whether it's that 70 yard mark or higher, you know, that just basically means you need them involved in the attack and you flip that time of possession as time of possession as turnovers, it's the run game, it's the Mills Cooks connection. And it's just, you know, it's winning. Winning ugly if you have to, and I think this team would be more com- more than comfortable not to. And you don't have to be an explosive offense. You just have to score, and let's just say four touchdowns. And the reason I'll throw that out there is with this move-the-chain offense, the running game, and Davis Mills making the throws, the defense hunting turnovers and possibly getting some touchdowns or setting the offense up in great field position. Uh, Houston last year, and mind you, Houston had four wins all, all last year. When, when the Texans scored 27 or more points, just 27 points, that's not a high-scoring offense, 27 or more points, they were 3-0. and With this type of defense, and it's going to be much better this year than it was last year, with this type of defense, with Mills protecting the ball and Damian Pierce running game, the Texans are going to be in games with the turnovers and time of possession, and I'm telling you, it's a 9-8 and eight season. Am I going to be 100% right? Absolutely not. But I feel more comfortable saying they'll be nine and eight than I do saying they'll be six and eleven. I I've, I've I feel I feel better with the prediction of they'll be nine and eight than I do they'll be six and eleven. That's just based what off what off I've seen reading the tea leaves and again everything else I laid laid out there. All right, last part of the night. I talked to you earlier. I teased it a little bit about the uh, Texans following a blueprint. Now, yes, it's obviously got New England staples to it. But you can also see that 2006 Chicago Bears blueprint. And no, let me go and say this first off where somebody says, oh, you already said they're beating the Colts. They're nine and eight. Now you're saying the 2006 Bears are going to Super Bowl. The comparison is not to that Bears team going to the Super Bowl. That's just the the effect to the cause, if you will. Why they went to that Super Bowl and why the Texans are built towards that way. And, and I'll lay out how I think they built built towards that 06 Bears team on both sides of the ball. And also a little bit, again, the New England concept sprinkled in there as well. Rex Grossman, <laughs> people saying, can Davis Mills be good enough? Well, I just told you, you're going to ask Davis Mills to be more of a game manager. Rex Grossman was asked to do that the year the Bears went to the Super Bowl against the Colts. 2006, the Bears went 13-3 and with Rex Grossman in the regular season. He had 23 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. That's not even a great touchdown-interception ratio, but for him, it was great. And it was good enough for that team. So you're starting to see the blueprint of how the team's built. And with Davis Mills, the bar isn't can he be Aaron Rodgers or a top five, top ten quarterback this year. This year is can he fill that Rex Grossman role? And the answer is yes, he can be a bet. He can do the Rex Grossman role better than Rex Grossman because he's more talented. And and his upside is, I mean, we're just getting started to get a peel back of what his upside could be. The rest of Rex Grossman's career, just to let you know how they played him and how significantly having the right pieces and not always the biggest, best names you can still win with. As long as you got one side of the ball built the way you want and the other side able to manage it. Rex Grossman, the rest of his career, other than that 13 and 3 uh, season, he was 12 and 19. He threw 23 touchdowns that year. He had, uh, uh, in that 13 and 3 season, he had 33 touchdowns and 40 interceptions the rest of his career. 
Dude had more wins in 2006 with Lovey than he did the entire rest of his career. 13 in 2006, 12 and 19, the whole rest of it. His wide receivers that year that went to the Super Bowl, top two, Masin Muhammad, uh, Bernard Berrien. His tight end, Desmond Clark. Yeah, these are good players. Masin Muhammad was nice. Don't get me wrong. Masin Muhammad was nice. Brandon Cooks is nice. Then you got Bernard Berrien, decent number two. Then you got Desmond Clark. I mean, we're not talking about a Hall of Famer here. Running back position, what type of back do you want? How about Thomas Jones that year, 5'10", 216. Texans draft a guy in the fourth round, Damian Pierce, 5'10", 224. Kick return. Let me go ahead and say it. Again, I got to add the caveat. I'm not saying he's Devin Hester. Let me get through the numbers and understand how I'm comparing the roles for the teams those two years. And I also point out how Traymond Smith's not Devin Hester on punt return. Just talking about the two kick return roles. 2006, Devin Hester, who's possibly the greatest kickoff returner of all time, uh, him and Dante Hall, two of the best special teamers ever as far as returns go. But Devin Hester, uh, that year he had two kickoffs returned for a touchdown. Last year, Traymon Smith had one return for a touchdown, one of only four players to return a kickoff for a touchdown last year. Devin Hester ran two back in 2006. His kickoff return average that year was fifth best in the NFL at 26.4. Traymond Smith's kickoff return average last year was the second best in the NFL at 25.6. Hester had a whole nother touchdown boost in his average. And that was in an era where you've got different blocking assignment, different things you can do that are now illegal, uh, more kickoff return opportunities as there are twice as many kick returns for touchdowns back then as there was last year. Now, again, Hester had three punt returns for a touchdown, so it doesn't go apples to apples here. But Traymond Smith, I think we sleep on the special team side of it. Traymond uh, Smith, for a city that's wanted a special kickoff returner for so long, They've got one in Traymond Smith, man. And again, it just kind of meshes how these teams are like. Well, who did Lovey have doing his work on that defense? We know about Erlacher and Briggs. Now, obviously, two special, special linebackers. But each one of those guys had 11 tackles for a loss. And that kind of lets me go into the guys, the way they've got these linebackers, Christian Kirksey, Kamu Grugier-Hill. Um, even on the practice squad, you've got Kevin Pierre-Lewis and you got Neville Hewitt. you got Brian Cashman, Jake Hansen, Christian Harris will come back, Garrett Wallow, yada, yada, yada. And they're so deep and they're all NFL talent le level. And they're going to be coming linebacker blitzes, different type looks. They're going to be playing behind the line of scrimmage because they're going to be fresh, rotating, talented. The sacks, you're like, well, you got Jonathan Grenard. And I told y'all, uh, Jonathan Grenard, I think he's a 12-plus sack dude this year. That dude's special. He's underrated. Who was the sack leader for Lovey back in 2006 on that Bears team? 12 sacks, Mark Anderson. Talented guy. 12 sacks. Next, Alex Brown had seven. A.O. Adewale Angale had six and a half. Tommy Harris with five and Tank Johnson with three and a half. You look at this Texans roster, interior and exterior. Whether we're talking Jerry Hughes, Jonathan Grenard, Mario Addison, Ogbo, Rasheem Green, Damone Harris, Roy Lopez, Malik Collins, Kurt Hines. Like, you can see five of those guys. Just pick any five in that group and see the stat line, 12 sacks, seven, six and a half, five, three and a half. The blueprint was this, and the DBs in that group, we keep talking about the uh, two, uh, peanut punch. 
Charles Tillman, Chris Harris, Danielle Manning, who we all know too well down here in Texans, uh, uh, <clears throat> down here in Houston with the Texans. Excuse me. Yes. Steven Nelson isn't Charles Tillman. Derek Stingley's still a rookie. But you look at the overall how this group is, how they've taken on the identity of Charles Tillman, the entire defense, hunting turnovers, looking to punch out balls, the linebackers looking for TFLs and playing behind the line, run blitzes, blitzes. Uh, and then that D-line group where you've got some young guys, you got vet guys, you've got the numbers, you got the production. It's the entirety of the blueprint, not just what's on the surface. And I think that's what makes this Texans 2022 team so dangerous. Now, I think 2024, when we talk two years out, that's when we're talking them possibly doing. If all this stuff clicks the way I think it does, and you always hear me, I used to say this with Luno when the Astros, when you just saw the type of talent evaluation, everything they, they had uh, in that organization, I'm like, if you have an elite talent evaluation uh, evaluator or organization of elite talent evaluators, your window never closes. The Texans have have that now. This isn't hyperbole. The valuations, the decisions they're making, where they're getting guys, the value they're getting guys, at, it's all well thought out like vet coaches and general managers. They're in good hands, and I think they'll be better this year in 2022 than the consensus. I think they're 9-8, and eight, and I think 2024 is bright for them with next year being another step forward. For Aaron Wilson, Mark Larson, and Johnny Danger, usually pro uh, producing with us as well from the iLogic Media. We got Mark Larson with us tonight. We want to thank him for producing. And for Aaron Wilson, Jason Braddock, that's going to do it for another episode live game week. Indianapolis Colts week one this Sunday. Enjoy the game. We'll be back next Tuesday to dissect it all again with you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Houston football show brought to you by inside edge.